Coming up on AEA Amplified, the next generation of aviators. Let's meet Mac and David Copeland. From the Aircraft Electronics Association, this is AEA Amplified, a podcast for aviation's technology experts, with your host, Jeff Hill. And hello again, everyone, and welcome to AEA Amplified. I'm your host, Jeff Hill, with the AEA. And thank you for joining us. This issue is coming to you in December of 2020, and I am really excited for this show we have. We have not one, but two guests. And with me today are father and son, David and Mac Copeland, who together have an incredible aviation legacy in their family. David, most of you who are listening who might be an AEA member will be familiar with David. He is the vice president of sales for Mid-Continent Instruments and Avionics in Wichita, Kansas. And that's an AEA member company since 1981. And we also have his son, Mac, who recently became a third generation pilot. And he's also a student athlete on the football team at the University of Kansas. He's a junior in school and a redshirt sophomore on the football field. So David and Mac, thank you both so much for joining us today. I know Mac is with us from Lawrence. And David is with us from Wichita. But um, before we get started, I do want to let our listeners know that Avionics News just published a special feature that came out today, December the 1st, on Mac. And you can read that story written by Dave Higdon at avionicsnews.net. So go on there. It's a great story. Check it out. Um, the Copeland family, obviously steeped in aviation tradition. Um, what intrigues me where I'd like to start and, and maybe with... Uh, with David, you have an airport named in your honor, Copeland Airports. Let me start there. You are the second generation aviator, but tell us a little bit about the first generation of Copelands, your parents, John and Marilyn. How did they uh, get started in aviation and what was their passion for it? Well, first, Jeff, I wanna thank you for having Mac and I on today and for AEA for hosting this. Um, you know, from these webinars and from your organization, uh, really, we wanted to use this as a platform uh, really for the future and continuing legacy of aviation for the future aviators. And Mac happens to just hopefully be one of those people. So thanks again for hosting us this morning. Um, so really, it kind of started, um, you know, with my father being in the Army. Uh, he was a paratrooper. And one of the things that he said before he passed was, you know, David, you know, because we kind of talked when I was growing up about, you know, that was really cool. And he jumped out of airplanes and all that. And he says, let me tell you, son, there's one thing you don't ever want to do is jump out of an airplane while the engine's still running. So a lot of my <laughs> friends throughout the years have said, hey, let's go, you know, let's let's go paratrooping. Let's go over to Hutch. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to live on my dad's wisdom about that because um, that's was, you know, his early time uh, as a paratrooper in the Army. And then basically um, he said, you know, I, I really want to learn and and teach myself to fly, I guess, back in the day in the 40s and 50s, that's kind of what they did. So he bought an Aronka Chief in 1946. And um, even before he had a car, he had a, a little motor scooter that he went back and forth to the airport and flew about every day, flew all over the country. And so that's really kind of how our family got involved. And he met my mother, uh, who was a um, home ec teacher up in the Kansas City area. And um, he was in dental school at UMKC. And so they met and she got the flying bug from him. And then once he graduated, he wanted to establish his practice uh, somewhere that he could fly his family, um, future family, anywhere in the United States in one day in a single engine piston airplane. So that's how he chose the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, and that was, you know, in the early 60s. Uh, late 50s and 60s when he when he decided to move to Wichita and start his uh, uh, dental practice, which he was a, a dentist for over 32 years in Wichita. So then it was, okay, so if we're going to fly all over, mom said, you know, I want to make sure that I know what to do. So uh, believe it or not, you know, there's a lot of stories that we've all read about um, the husband and wife and one of them being a flight instructor and one of them teaching the other one to fly. And sometimes that becomes uh, really challenging in the cockpit, but they seem to suffer through that. And um, my dad taught my mother to fly and initially, and from there, um, it really was um, my career started uh, when 
people say, well, how'd you get started in aviation and all that? And it started um, with my mom. She uh, was, was flying in six weeks. She got her pilot's license, which was pretty amazing. She flew twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, and then um, was ready for her check ride. And she was ready, the, the, you know, the, the uh, instructor said, okay, so we're ready, we're gonna do it uh, you know, this morning. And so she's ready to go and she forgot about me. She, my sister was in school and she didn't have a babysitter. So she took me along. So she put the bassinet in the back seat of a tri-pacer, Piper tri-pacer and away we went and I was three weeks old. So that was kind of how people say, how'd you get started in aviation? That was me. So uh, I still have my hearing, uh, although from all those days back then, but that's really how I got started. And the bug kind of started, you know, when you start in the backseat of the airplane and you observe and you fly and share that passion as you grow up. Um, you know, I remember so many trips uh, that we took. And in fact, my sister and I, we had the opportunity to fly to all 48 states. Um, and he really fulfilled that dream of, of having a place in Wichita and in the air capital we could fly in a day anywhere. So that was kind of how we got started. And then, you know, it's like, okay, so let's make this a business while he has his dental business. And um, he purchased uh, part of West uh, Piper back in the day, and that was in the 60s. So we were a Piper uh, dealer and distributor for the Midwest. And then let's get in the hangar business. So we were uh, part owner of uh, hangars that are still existing here in Wichita, Kansas, which is now Jabbar Airport. Back then it was Kenmar Airport where she soloed. And, um, I was in the back seat, so that's kind of how it all got started in the '60s. I'm not going to tell my age, but it was it was it was it's been a great ride. It's been over 35 years in the industry, working for great companies, um, and really supporting what I've kind of graduated into is now a legacy of you know what's next. Not uh, so much for my career, but for other people's career, and trying to help them become uh, superstars in the industry and helping them get started. So. I'm not a superstar by any means. I am a little prejudiced to my son because he is involved in aviation now, which I'm very proud of. Uh, we have a great family all involved in aviation. We've flown all over uh, personally and I have for business. Um, and so uh, have two other sons that didn't really get involved in aviation so much. We flew a lot in, in a private airplane uh, to different locations. My wife enjoys flying as well. So it's in the family, even my bulldogs have been flying. So they love it too. So. It's one of those things um, that it's kind of in your blood, as you know, they say it's, I have a huge passion for it. Um, there's some cool things that kind of went along with, um, you know, growing up in Wichita and the aviation in the air capital world, a lot of time going to shows my dad. Um, and, and as you know, Jeff and, and Mac knows, I really don't like to talk about myself, but the opportunity to hopefully add material and add interest for people to get involved in aviation is really why I want to do this today. Um, so it's really not about me, uh, but he did start the Flying Dentist Association, which is still very active today. So as a part of his, you know, weaving aviation and dentistry together, became very active. So he was a founder of Flying Dentist. He was also founder of the Flying International Flying Comanche Society, which is still very uh, popular because we flew a Piper Comanche all over. That was kind of our primary uh, airplane that we flew all over. My mother air raced. She was in over 26 air races. Um, across the United States and, and some international flights. Um, so that's kind of how it all got started. Um, it's, it's, you know, to think back all those days and years, all the great things that, that uh, we've done and many miles that, you know, we've, we've you know, gotten a penny or a dime for spotting an airplane before we had all the, the electronic devices to spot aircraft as we do now. That's what we did. And then I kind of graduated to the front seat of the airplane flying co-pilot and then sometimes slip over to the left side as well. So uh, have a lot of great stories um, that come with growing up in aviation and that family. So Mac, with your grandparents' story like that and, and your dad, you hear the passion in his voice right there. You, you never really had a chance, I guess. You, you know, what are your memories growing up uh, with aviation and, uh, and uh, what was that like as, as a kid? Um, well, it's tough to follow up with that story. Um, you know, my father's side of aviation is a huge legacy and it's a tough one to be. And I look forward to being that one day. Um, you know, first off, I'd like to thank you, Jeff, for the well-written article in Avionics News that is being published um, just about my story and my background of aviation through my father. Um, and I'd also like to thank you for uh, the honor of coming onto your show to expand upon my journey of becoming a third generation aviator. I really appreciate it.
Um, but yeah, growing up as a as a kid in an aviation family, um, it really started when I was about three years old when I first started going to uh, AirVenture with my father and um, you know seeing the greats of Sean Tucker and Matt Youngkin fly his Twin Beach over Oshkosh and you know the demos and um, you know meeting the d distributors and going to shows. I mean, it was something of a marvelous world of aviation that only you know the youngest generation generations of uh, future aviators could experience. Um, you know, of course, growing up, you know, we used to fly down to the lake sometimes in our private aircraft with the whole family, and it was just an experience like any other. And, you know, a majority of my time as a as a young, uh, young uh, future aviator and my dad's side of the family, um, you know, growing up, I learned how to, you know, check the fuel, clean down the airplane, clean the bugs off the plane, and that's just kind of how my my story began as my father taught me the ways of aviation and flying and sometimes coming up um, sitting right seat with my father sometimes in the bonanza and going all over the country it was a great experience and i loved it from the start um, but kind of more expanding on to um, going to air venture you know i volunteered with the um the eaa um a team which volunteered to help um you know, experience, you know, everyone from cancer patients to astronauts to celebrities and show them what Oshkosh was all about. And, you know, just over the years, I volunteered for about 10 years on the A-team and it was just an experience like any other. And, uh, you know, until that experience ended when I had to go off to college and, um, you know, start my next journey of being a college football player I was able and uh, given the awesome opportunity to fly with the great Sean Tucker and his Team Oracle airplane. And let me tell you, that sparked my interest of aviation and pursuing a pilot's license, you know, right off the bat. So those are just some of the experiences I've had over the course of my, um, you know, beginning legacy of my father and his his side of aviation experiencing for myself and you know, hopefully living up to it one day. Yeah, and you mentioned AirVenture, and for those of you who have who enjoy aviation or aspire to get in, involved in it, I encourage you to check out Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, in late July, the first week of August every year, uh, and and do that because it is it is an amazing show. Um, going back to the to the airport um, for David and Mac, um, I understand that um, Charles Lindbergh actually landed at Copeland Airport uh, to meet with Walter Beach in 1929, uh, right after his nonstop New York to Paris flight. Um, so how did how did that happen? How did uh, how did Charles Lindbergh end up at Copeland Airport? Well, he took a 103 airports uh, across the United States to go visit. It was kind of the, the, the tour to, you know, after he took off, as you know, when he came back, um, they had the largest gathering, which is really challenging today with what we've got going on, but over 4 million people gathered in New York City to welcome. So that was a pretty cool deal there. And then he decided with some investment from a, a, another gentleman to go around across the United States. And so one of his stops was at Wichita and the airfield he chose back then was called Rodden Airplane Airfield, which is now K-31, which was Beachfield uh, today, but it was uh, Copeland Airport. and so. That was back um, back in the 40, 47, I think is when he stopped there and to meet Walter and, and some of the other aviation and city officials. And then what was really cool is when um, we had the idea when Vern Jokes, who was the number two United captain uh, back in the day, which in, when United, you know, TWA and all those airlines to be number two with United was a, is a big deal and a big honor. Vern Jokes flew the replica of the Spirit of St. Louis Across the United States, uh, replicating that same tour, and stopped at the airport where Mrs. Beach was there to greet us, and with my mother, and they arranged a, a really cool centennial opportunity of 50 years, and it was at the same exact parking spot at Copeland Airport where he stopped before, and uh, we had big crowds of people, and it was really cool to celebrate that again. So, you know, when Mac and and his flight instructor Ryan Reed um, decided that they were going to do something they they surprised me less than 24 hours before that they were going back to 
uh, make his solo at the same spot, same airport that that all took place. So there's that legacy really continues not only through, you know, very famous aviators that really have, um, you know, kind of been the leaders and icons in the industry of which all evolve and change over the years. I have a small, you know, part of trying to help others realize how important um, those things and how the opportunity for the future is for those aviators. So that was really cool uh, to be a part of that. I remember those days uh, very, very well at the airport. You know, I talk about, you know, Mrs. Beach driving her light blue Cadillac with a white top to work, you know, and I'd see her coming down central right past the airport when I was going. And so those, you know, a lot of those icons aren't with us anymore. Uh, you know, the Lear family and, you know, um, the Wallaces and some folks like that. And, and of course the Beach family, those people, you know, I knew and saw, and that was really cool. So the people that Mac, you know, got to meet and the aviators that he met and, you know, one of them, you know, was when I was growing up and made a big difference in my, my parents' life was Bob Hoover, who, uh, uh, you know, took my mom for a flight in his yellow P-51 at Oshkosh. And so um, to kind of recreate that story, I did kind of surprise Mac, um, for the uh, flight with Sean Tucker, I kind of did the same thing. I kind of snuck him across the field on a Sunday and had it all kind of set up. So Sean kind of arrives in his car and says, you know, hey, Mac, what's going on? And like, how does that guy know my name? And we've seen him for years and years um, at the show. And then, you know, said, hey, let's go take a ride. And so those kind of things, I think, you know, hopefully are, are milestones in people's lives that they remember. Milestones that, you know, meeting um you know bob hoover and having my mom fly with him i'll never forget that you know and and that legacy um having you know other leaders in the industry like joe engel you know from from here in chapman kansas i mean he was a very good friend of ours and my family and he still is at oshkosh and mac you know has met him and talked to him about aviation and an astronaut like that spatial you know we've had so many guests at our home in the, in the past other leaders in the industry, you know, Russ Meyer, I mean, you know, what an icon he is and, and how he changed aviation. Jack Pelton, you know, running EA now and, and what he's doing for aviation. Um, another, you know, kind of a soft spot for me was when we um, had the memorial service and, and the 99s, um, who is a national organization of licensed women pilots. My mom became president of that and a very good friend of hers, Pat McEwen, um, who, um, Drew McEwen, who is a, a, a leader at uh, Piper, uh, who I have been good friends forever and ever, and they used to, you know, plan air races, uh, my mom and Pat, and Drew and I didn't have much else to do but swim and be on their farm and ride horses and look at airplanes and fly all over. So those are kind of those memories that will never, you know, go away, and those are kind of the things that I wanted Matt to experience not only through EAA, but all the other things that we can do and experiencing air shows and aviation events and, and he's even better at it than I am nowadays with the internet. He can pop something to me before I even see it. So with that, I was going to go back to Atchison, uh, you know, the, the, the birthplace of Amelia Earhart. Uh, before mom passed, she she was on the Amelia Earhart uh, board for restoration and she got the uh, house put on the restoration uh, signature board as well as renovating it and, and raising the money for that. But it was interesting that when we were up there, it was a July 4th uh, afternoon that Julie Clark, who flies a T-34, flew a T-34 in air shows um, all over, um, very famous, beautiful blue and white uh, T-34. She wanted to do a special tribute to mom. So she flew down the river and all over Atchison with her fireworks and, and smoke on and did a special tribute to mom. So those are things that I will never forget. You know, the Bob Hoover, the Julie Clark, you know, working for Russ Meyer, uh, Jack Pelton, you know, and, and him, those are, you know, icons that, you know, it's still icons. I mean, some still with us and some that have passed on that like Matt Yonkin and his interest and in, in help with Mac and, you know, Sean Tucker and in that special flight that he did. And there is a video, Jeff, that I don't know if it's on YouTube, but of Mac flying the, the extra. And he, I'll tell you, after he showed him, it was hands off. Sean said that, and, and it's no joke because Sean will tell you the way it is, right? So um, Mac got to experience that and flew the airplane in, in a perfect loop. He went right back through his own smoke on the first time flying. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I'm glad I didn't go flying with him because it was a, a pretty a, a wet flight suit when he got back, but an experience I'll never forget. 
and one that I think helped propel him to become, you know, the aviator that he is today. So I know I'm talking a lot, but I got so much uh, of really cool things that we've we've done, whether it's open houses at the airport, whether it was, you know, flight and safety courses, whether it was flight introductions. We did a lot of those through EAA and just general people come out to the airport and we take them for rides just because we want to get more and more people involved in aviation and also introduction to airplanes because we were also a Rockwell commander and a Grumman American dealer at that time. Um, those are the kind of things that I think make a difference. You know, Mac and I were recently together and and there was a, a EAA flying here in Wichita where we went out on a Saturday morning. And although there was a car show, all the interest was in the airplanes. And we talked to people that, you know, it was their first ride. And the, the nervous parents that were standing there as their kids took off in an airplane with a complete stranger. Those are the things that make a difference. Hopefully that those kids and young adults or whoever they are will become involved in this great industry of, of aviation. So. Yeah, I, that's kind of my part of, of the airport, mixing it all together, and also for Midcontinent and 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 Todd Winter, you know, and his leadership team, you know, over the years have been very kind and and allowing us all to use private aviation in our business, and it is a great tool for us. And Mac has seen that, you know, there isn't a day that he asks, well, you know, where is the company airplane, where are you guys going, and what happened, and send pictures and all that. That's more of fueling that future. For aviators and, and having a company like Midcontinent that, that really does, you know, we use the tagline, we fly with you. We really do. We fly with you with our instruments and avionics and power solutions, but also future aviators. When they we pull up on the ramp of our aircraft and we show it off. There were people just last week, we were down in in um, in Texas on some flights and over, and, and, and people were like, can I go out and look at the airplane? Of course, let's open it up. Let's show you what we've got to offer in aviation. That's something that we will never say no to. And as you know, not only EAA and AEA, but um, also in, in MBAA and in AOPA, all the A's that are around there and Gamma, um, those are things that Mac's exposed to, not only from the, the, the meetings that I go to, but the shows that I've attended. He's an active participant, whether he's there or not. He's getting videos of the trips and he's getting, you know, some some caution from his dad. You know, my dad always taught me when I was flying, you know, always have a way out. And so I teach that. And when Ryan and him are flying, it's like, what's the weather like? What you guys do? What emergencies do you practice? Were you aware of that? So I'm that guy. I can't even imagine that, you know, you mentioned soloing 16 air aircraft on my 16th birthday. That was pretty cool. It was fun. We had them all lined up at the airport and. Um, I think back then it was the Eagle Beacon that did a, a quick story on it. But, you know, being able to do it off of our airport and get out of one and into the others, there is no way that I will let Mac do that because I was, you know, I was nervous to death. And my wife, we're, we're sitting out there at the flight safety parking lot across from, from the beach field or, or Copeland Airport and watching him take off that first time. You know, there were a lot of prayers that went along with that flight, let alone 16 of them. So, Super proud of what Mac did, but I can't even imagine what my mom was thinking, you know, when when I took off in, in those airplanes that day. So, yeah, such great great memories there, and both of you have incredible stories on your first solo flight. Yeah, sixteen flying sixteen planes on your sixteenth birthday. I don't know how you top that, but Mac, your first fo uh, solo flight took place earlier this year, I believe, on July the second. And I think that date has some special meaning to, to you and your family. So what's the significance of, of July 2nd for you? Um, you know, the significance of July 2nd was the day I became the third generation aviator of the Copeland family. Um, it was a date I'll never forget. It was a date that, you know, prior to soloing that night before, you know, I've read stories, I've read articles about, you know, former aviators of their stories of their first solo flight. And, you know, some of them jump out of the airplane and their instructor will say, hey, you know, tomorrow we're going to solo. And immediately, you know, all these wild thoughts go through their head. They don't sleep the night before and, you know, everything kind of hits the fan and it's just not a good sight to see and, you know, stomachs start to churn. Um, but, you know, that morning I'll tell, you know, a little about the, about the story it was about 4.45, I woke up and indeed the stories were true. I did not get any sleep that night. Um, but prior, prior to waking up, you know, I grabbed my mug of coffee and it was like a pilot fuel on it. And I knew exactly that's what I needed to jump in the airplane and get ready to go. Um, you know, but prior to waking up, it was about 5 a.m. I checked the uh, 
ATIS observation system, and it looked like there were some clouds and some storms off in the distance. So I was, you know, a little nervous on too if we were even going to take off um, by sunrise to do this uh, to do this solo. And you know, prior to uh, getting to the airport and meeting up with my instructor Ryan, um, you know, we did a quick pre-flight check, made sure everything was running smoothly. You know, fired up the engine, one go, and it was, you know, it was incredible just before the sun um, sunrise. And, you know, as we took off from Jabara to land at Beachfield, which is formerly Copeland Airport, um, you know, just just prior to landing there, you know, we flicked on the lights at um, at Beachfield and it was like a, you know, a giant Christmas tree laying on, um, you know, laying down on the ground. It was just seeing all those lights be like, wow, this used to be Copeland Airfield. I mean, it was an awesome feeling. And, you know, I look to the right and I see the. The former hangars that used to have a sign on top that said Copeland Airfield and the former taxiway that's still sitting there. Um, it was just an incredible feeling to land there for the first time and, you know, get out. And um, luckily, we were able to solo before the uh, um, the tower opened, I believe it was a 630. And um, prior to doing that, I was able to walk around, look at the hangars, look at the taxiway, be like, wow, this used to be um you know the past legacy of my family which is about to, to continue with the third generation of um aviators taking off today so um prior to selling you know we did a couple touch and goes with my instructor and you know off in the distance you could see some clouds forming out and um it was a little nerve-wracking at first you know usually when you wake up in the morning it's still you know comfortable weather which it was that day but i just knew um, in about a couple hours or so, you know, the tower was going to open, there were storms rolling in and anxiety was about to go through the roof. Um, but prior to that, you know, I got real comfortable with the uh, airfield and um, did about three touch and goes with my instructor and we kind of went through the procedures and um, there was a taxiway off to the right of the runway and Ryan hopped out and he said, okay. So once he got out, I knew this was the real deal. and you know, I had my backpack and my logbooks and all my information in the back seat. And I had my big, you know, my big, I got my blue water ball right here that I took out from my backpack and took a swig of water, swung the plane around and did three stop and goes. And all three landings were like butter. I mean, it couldn't have gone any better. Um, and just on that third, that third stop and go, which was the requirement, my logbook, my endorsement from my instructor um you know on that third landing i was you know literally about to jump out of my seat and punch the um you know the roof of the the ceiling of the airplane because i was so happy that i just accomplished the feat of becoming that third generation pilot of my family and to do it at formerly known as copeland air for um, airfield where my father and my grandmother um Solo was just an awesome feeling, and it was a great day and a day that I will always, you know, look forward to celebrating every July 2nd and just kind of reflecting on my experience as something I would never forget. So, yeah, and I might add up July 2nd, also the date where Amelia Earhart disappeared uh, with her navigator mm -hmm. uh, on her next to lag, next to last leg of her attempt to circle the globe around the equator. So, another historical day in aviation and another historical tie-in to you and your family. Uh, once again, we are visiting with David and Matt Copeland here on AA Amplified, and this podcast is brought to you by Avionics News, the monthly magazine of the AEA and the largest single representation of repair stations in the world. Avionics News is read by industry decision makers, including the owners, managers, and technicians of government-certified repair stations in more than 40 countries. These are the folks who sell, service, and install avionics, as well as maintenance facilities and FBOs, along with thousands of aircraft owners and pilots. And to meet all of your reading preferences, Avionics News is available in print, online, and via mobile apps for Android and iOS devices. For a free subscription, visit avionicsnews.net. And if you don't have it yet on your phone or laptop, you probably haven't downloaded the app. Fix that right now and get Avionics News on Google Play or download it on the App Store. So, Mac, uh, you're a student athlete right now at the University of Kansas uh, playing football. But 
after college, uh, when you graduate uh, in a couple of years, what uh, what do you want to pursue pursue as a full time career? Do you see yourself uh, staying in aviation full time? I, um, you know, kind of to expand on you know my future and um, pursuing a career of aviation. Um, you know, I like my mentors and my father introducing to um, you know introduction the introduction to aviation to my life and. My grandmother being a 99er and an air race pilot and a grandfather who is a paratrooper starting the flying dentist club and um you know chasing the great legacies of Lindbergh and you know kansas native amelia Earhart. it's tough you know to pass upon the opportunity to you know have a career in aviation and you know as soloing and beginning that third generation of flight um within my family it's only right to do so um, you know, unlike my other brothers who um, did not pursue a career in aviation, you know, I want to be that that young, um, you know, the youngest child of the family to do so. Um, more than likely, after my career at the University of Kansas and you know, graduating with my degree and a possible master's in the future, um, I'd like to, you know, pursue my pilot pilot certificate after this season. Um, you know, due to the season and the requirements and the you know, all the time and management, I have to deal with that. Um, but I'd like to continue to build hours with my aviation and license and everything and possibly um, pursue a career in the commercial airline industry and possible consideration of the Air Force Reserve. Um, but the overall goal would probably to pursue a career in busy, business aviation, um, most likely general aviation. So. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Hopefully, hopefully that will all, and I'm sure it will happen for you. I do have one question because, you know, I know we have a lot of listeners who are certainly interested in aviation, but being a student athlete uh, and myself actually having worked in that field for a number of years as well, I don't think there's a full appreciation for how much time and effort and commitment that it takes to be a student athlete, uh, particularly uh, at the Power Five level uh, in the sport of football. So how in the world do you find time balancing uh, your football practice, study hall, and here we are in the middle of a pandemic on top of it. Um, how have you been able to to work on your private pilot certificate uh, while doing all of that? Well, it you know, the life of a student athlete requires a lot of discipline, you know, holding yourself accountable and or specifically time management. Um, you know, a, a day in the life of a student athlete is, you know, waking up, making breakfast, lifting, going to class, going to practice, studying, and then that's your day. Um, but, you know, along with aviation, you know, in light of the pandemic, I was able to take advantage of the time I had um, while at home with my family and to capitalize on um, pursuing my pilot's license and, you know, doing my initial solo in july um but it's kind of you know you have to have that time management you have to have that schedule you know every single day you know all the while during the season um you know there's almost no time to work on the um the license and you know fly every day just because of the demands of college football and um school and a degree um but you know all the while i always continue to you know look at general aviation news and look at avionics news you know every day and kind of stay on top and keep that that aviation mindset you know fresh in my mind every day and every week that way when the season's over and i come home to my family and you know i continue my training i can do so in a you know refreshed state of mind to where i could continue to work on my license and um you know just have that essential equilibrium of balancing the student athlete life and you know the future pilot life and continue to capitalize on it so it's it's a job you know being a student athlete it's a job um but all the while doing it as a third generation pilot is a dream so Joe, on, on, on top of that i was going to add you know some some more icons in the industry that it was interesting we were at, at oshkosh um, a couple years ago and uh, mac received a call from uh, some icons in the training field john and martha king uh, Martha talked to Mac, and it was funny because, as we all know, if you've watched enough of their series, there's a lot of interesting uh, comedy that comes along with uh, the seriousness of flight training. So Mac and I would talk about that, and you know, what was Martha's joke today, and what did John say about this, and 
and they make it fun. Although, you know, they've been around for many years and, and there's a lot of different modes, but when, you know, he was talking about getting involved in aviation, you know, he was, he's been self-taught, you know, he really didn't have a course to go through and the fact that he snuck it all in. So when Martha called him from the AOPA gathering uh, on the lawn out there, it was pretty fun because, you know, those type people inspire young people and they've been around for a long time. And I, I think that's when another piece of it that Max really kind of, you know, very humble about how he's doing this. He studies a lot about this aviation thing. He studies charts, brings things with him. Whenever we're on vacation, he's got, you know, what is it? I remember we're on the beach somewhere on spring break and he's brought, he brought the, the VFR charts out and he's like, okay, so this week I'm studying, you know, all the symbols and, and what these all mean. Do you want to quiz me? I'm like, dude, this is our vacation. What have you got all these, you know, his whole backpack is down at the beach. So I think it's that dedication that he spoke of and being a, a student athlete. I look at it as it really transfers over to the dedication, the focus, the time management, the passion, the special skills that are related to all those from football and what he's learned through athletics and a little bit of what we've taught him at home have related really over to what it takes to be a good aviator um, and to be smart in the cockpit and making decisions, um, not only whether you're going to solo or whether you're flight training, but for the future. I remember many, many things that my dad taught me and my mother also as a, as a very avid aviator to, to watch for, whether we're in you know clear flight, always have a place that you're looking outside to possibly land. What's next? What can you expect? The challenges that we face today with what's going on with the pandemic, there's change. So expect change in the cockpit while you're flying, a change in the weather. You know, my dad always used to say, wait an hour and the weather's gonna change in Wichita especially. So you can see it rain and snow and then it'll be sunny within an hour. It's all happened. So those are the things that Max taken, you know, under his belt, a little bit from me chirping in his ear and a lot from, you know, what I learned, but really having those, you know, icons to help the basic aviation uh, terms and conditions that, that the Kings have offered through their training course makes it, makes it really available for student athletes to get their, their, uh, their pilot's license and pursue aviation. And if their people weren't like that, that are making a difference, we wouldn't all be here. And, and you know, AA is a big part of it. Uh, certainly takes a lot of dedication and discipline to do both and to be a student athlete. So congratulations to you, Mac. I do want to touch on a topic that I know is is near and dear to to both of you. And David and I have talked about this on numerous occasions, and that is uh, the importance and the need for workforce development within our industry. You know, according to the U.S. Bureau of of, of Labor Statistics. Overall employment of aircraft mechanics and avionics technicians is now projected to grow 5% between 2019 and 2029, and that is faster than the average for all occupations. Uh, air traffic is expected to increase gradually over the coming decade, and that's going to require additional aircraft maintenance technicians. Uh, as a result, job opportunities are expected to be good because there will be a need to replace those workers who are leaving the occupation, those who retire and so forth. Um, right now, or actually this past year in 2019, uh, there were 160,000 aircraft mechanics and avionics technicians in the United States, and that projects out to uh, over 167,300 in the next 10 years. So I know it's important to both of you to help build that employment pipeline and develop the next generation of the workforce, but what advice would you both give to aspiring pilots, technicians, and aviators? David, we'll start with you. Well, I think, first of all, um, you know, this is another passion of mine. You know, I think if you, um, I live by a term and Max heard it a million times that to live a legend and leave a legacy. And I really think about that is, is how do all of us want to be remembered? I want to be remembered by making a difference. If it's a small difference in aviation, whether it was my career in, in, in helping Cessna sell aircraft and market their aircraft and sell or a Beechcraft or a Mooney or, or at this company, especially, um, you know, making a difference is really what I want to do every day with exceeding the customer's expectations. So I think with that, this industry is so fantastic. You get to meet so many great people, smart people, uh, people in a variance of, of, of occupations, whether it's an air traffic controller, whether it's you, Jeff, and the media uh, helping others and get involved in aviation, so many different facets of it, whether it's technicians to work on avionics um, or the future of what that's gonna look like in autonomous flight, 
uh, whether it's maintenance personnel to support uh, legacy aircraft or even commercial aircraft or what's to come, uh, supersonic type aircraft, whether it's, you know, I think pilots kind of get that, the spotlight, but there's so many other aviation careers outside of being a pilot that you should be involved in. I mean, whether it's somebody working at an FBO, you know, I was just spending, uh, I think, Sunday evening talking to a, a gal across the street at, at Jibera at, at Midwest Corporate Aviation about, you know, what she does and how she makes a difference. And, you know, she's an HR for another company. She came from Textron and we talked about that and, you know, how important it is and all the good, interesting people you can meet from around the world and their interest in aviation and helping, whether it also humanitarian. There's so many pilots that are flying. We just, Mac just sent me this really cool video the other day of, of, of an Airbus chasing a, a, a Kodiak through Australia, through the canyons, down the river there. I mean, there's so much of that that goes on that is important to share as well. So aviation is awesome and get involved in it. I think it's important for organizations like EAA, AEA, MBAA, like I've mentioned before, to join hands and really assist in spreading the word like we're trying to do about, you know, not only legacy and having, you know, that as a first, second or third generation, but the importance of, you know, aviation, you know, without aviation, this world would come to a standstill. You know, we think cars are important, but aviation and moving products around the world and moving people, it's so, so important. And yeah, we've gotten hurt a little bit and set back, but we're on a, we're on the comeback trail. Every month we're getting better. You know, the media possibly has, has strewn out, you know, the challenges that we're faced with with the pandemic. But I'm telling you, aviation, you go down and you watch you Amazon fly their fleet of airplanes and prime. You watch them on the road. You watch, you know, at the airport across the street, private aviation has spiked because people, you know, find that aviation, private aviation, business aviation is the way to get around not only safely, but more efficiently. So I'm a, I'm a huge proponent for that. And I want to help people, whether young or old, get involved in this industry, wherever they may land, and at least get exposed to it. Because I think they're going to find once they get exposed to it, that, like I said before, highly educated, fun, awesome. It's, you know, the worldly uh, education that you're going to get from this. I, I tell people when I see people at, at the airport on an airplane or at the FBO and I say, and they have their kids with them, I say, this is the most important education you can give them. They won't remember the toys. Mac will probably remember a few of the Legos we bought him that he put together, but he'll remember the trips that we took. He'll remember where we went in the airplane. Those in the aviation environment and all the people we've got to meet, um, you know, usually even if we're in a car, we'll go down to the airport and check out the local FBO and see what's going on or we'll know. So I think that's the passion I have for, for making a difference and leaving the legacy um, is, is so, so important in this industry. And, and I share that passion with the AEA and to the Workforce Alliance that we are working with very passionately because that's not going to go away. We're going to need to fill those statistics with bodies to carry on the next generation. It takes, you know, the internet's great, and, but it really does take bodies to go underneath the panel, fix an airplane, get outside, make them fly, flight instruct, do all those cool things. So that's kind of my, my thing is, as you can tell, I get pretty worked up about it, but it's so important that we leave that legacy wherever it may be with whoever it may be. Absolutely. And you know what, it'll be general in business aviation. As you said earlier, dealing with the pandemic, it'll be business and GA who's distributing the vaccine hopefully uh, here within within weeks and with the search and rescue and all of that. So Mac, uh, I know we have lots of listeners out there uh, who young and old, high school, um, 10 year olds, uh, adult, senior citizens. So what advice would you give to someone who's aspiring to be a pilot or a technician? Um, kind of to expand upon my father, um, as he spoke about the legacy of aviation and the young, younger generation, um, I believe exposure and experiences are two of the main um, factors that kind of influence that ongoing industry of aviation and continuing, you know, the legacy. Um, you know, I know when I was younger and I went to Oshkosh and, you know, it's not every day you get to fly with Sean Tucker and, you know, experience a ride along with 112 other Bonanzas, um, fly into Oshkosh all at once, three abreast, um, you know, and also see the likes of Matt Yunkin and, you know, all the military aircraft and C-5 galaxies fly. I mean, it's not every day you get to see those and experience and be exposed to the passion of aviation that's in, you know, in Oshkosh or your local EAA chapter. Um, I believe being exposed to those experiences and um, 
you know, being able to reach out to community communities and get them involved with aviation is huge. Um, you know, all the while doing my solo, I am a part of the Air Capital Aviators Club out of Jabara in Wichita, Kansas. And that's just one little step of being involved with aviation and getting others involved is, you know, getting into EAA chapters, going to Oshkosh, you know, immersing people in aviation because it's it's nothing like um, anyone can experience that freedom of flight. Um, you know, one thing of flying that I really love about it is, you know, immediately once I step onto that airfield and I close the door to the cockpit, um, you know, everything kind of flies away. You know, my football, my social life, you know, my education, everything just kind of falls out of the way. And once I take off, I'm flying the airplane, you know, I'm exposed to the controls. I'm doing, um, you know, everything in my power to keep that airplane going and using 110% of my airplane to do so. So experiences like that, you know, keep my uh, my fuel for aviation. And I believe exposing the young, younger generation to experiences and um, the likes of aviation is very important to the industry and continuing to make it um, make it a better community every day. And I might add, for those of you listening who Maybe wondering, okay, I'm interested. Uh, how do I get involved? How can I get started? Don't forget about the AEA Jobs Board, uh, which is at aea.net slash jobs. Uh, if you're an AEA member company, don't forget that you can post job openings that you have for free uh, right there at aea.net slash jobs, another member benefit. But also, if you are a job seeker or wanting to get involved in aviation, you can post your resume uh, resume for free as well. Um, and you do not have to be an AA member to do that. So the jobs board is a good connection uh, for those job seekers uh, and connecting them with those who may have opportunities available right now. So David, uh, before we go, I do wanna hear a little bit, tell us a little bit about what's new and exciting there uh, in Wichita and Mid-Continent Instruments and Avionics. Well, uh, we're, we're keeping our 56 year uh, tradition of providing you know excellent quality and service for not only legacy, but uh, the future of aviation, whether it be electric propulsion with our true power power solution products and our actually Gen 5 uh, lithium ion battery solutions, which is fantastic. It's really, we lead the industry in that. We've got some really cool things uh, in our engineering department. I can't share quite yet, but we're gonna hopefully introduce it at the AA meeting. The MPI, we're excited about that. We even were talking about that this morning. Um, we're gearing up for a fantastic finish to this year. Um, you know, we've all been challenged with things, but we've weathered the storm, I think. Uh, like you said, the vaccine's around the corner, which is really going to help. Give, um, but, you know, we, we're as an essential business, we didn't miss a lick. I mean, Todd positioned the company for safety first because our employees, as he talks about a lot, are our secret weapon. Um, the technicians here at the company and in Van Nuys and in, in California have an average on-bench technician experience of 26 years. That's unparalleled in the industry. So we put those experts to work to keep us flying as well as our engineering department and some input from our, our dealers and distributors around the world. And with AEA, a big part of that is getting feedback. And so the future products that are gonna come out of these buildings uh, and our team to support the future of aviation. So whether it's lithium ion batteries or whether it's repairing an autopilot uh, from, a, from an older uh, aircraft platform, we're all here to do that. Uh, we wanna keep people flying safely. We wanna get them involved. Uh, we want to keep people coming into the industry. We're always open to showing people around or, or mentoring them as well. I think that's super important. Uh, so all that, we're really super excited about the future of Mid-Continent. We're strong. Um, you know, being a private company, we can pivot rather quickly and, and, and adjust uh, to the atmosphere. But I think uh, we're looking for really great things in 2021 in the future and, and the support that your organization gives us as well with the industry and young people getting involved. I like to kind of close with, you know, the challenge that I give everybody that listens to this or is exposed to the article in your in your um, magazine and news media, really get involved in aviation, try it out, get with somebody, become a mentor, go on a flight. There's so many opportunities, go on the internet, uh, look for opportunities or scholarships that are available uh, through many, many organizations, uh, whatever you want to be in this industry. And, you know, I'd welcome to contact me. I don't know what that's going to do to my phone line, but but, you know, we want to help people. That's the main thing. Make a difference. Uh, this is a strong industry. It's super fun to be in. 
Um, once you get in it, you get hooked. Uh, once you work for a company like this, you get hooked as well. So it's all about the people. It's all about our great products and the performance of all those, you know, is how it's all wrapped up at the end of the nice package. So I think for Midcontinent, we're going to see that just grow as it is, has been. Um, we'd like to see it come back to, to 100%. And I think what I see on the horizon is success. I see people, you know, kind of ignoring some of the things that are going on, uh, super, uh, you know, concerned about safety as number one, but not only safety in the cockpit, safety of his individual. So I think with that, um, you know, you'll employ, I'm not going to, my passion is not going to change all the way to the end is that I want to help people uh, expose and, and be safe in this industry and, and, and be the future of it. So thanks for, for allowing that opportunity, Jim. Oh, you bet. And of course, to learn more about Midcontinent Instruments and Avionics, you can certainly visit them on their website at mcico.com. Uh, David and Mac, thank you both for joining us here on AEA Amplified, sponsored by Avionics News. And David, we do hope to see you hopefully at an upcoming industry event, perhaps the AEA International Convention and Trade Show, which is set to be in Dallas in 2021. Uh, Mac, any final thoughts on your end? Um, I just appreciate you allowing the opportunity to come on your show and just share a little bit about my aviation experience and my third generation um, legacy. So I look forward to in the future sharing some more of it. Very good. Well, thank you both for your time and for sharing your story with us. And that's going to wrap it up for today. We hope you can join us again soon for another episode of AA Amplified. And I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you can learn more about the AEA at AEA.net or follow us on social media at LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time on AEA Amplified, so long, everybody, and be safe.